0: Hello, welcome to the Software Delivery Club. My name is Richard Bowne, this is episode 23. This time, I'm continuing my descent into the philosophical trenches of software development and delivery by looking at the question, how does legacy and tech debt appear? Or the cost of change, working with legacy code, or making tech debt and legacy work for you. As you might know already, I'm obsessed with getting to the bottom of tech debt and legacy. I see them as the same thing really. Tech debt is something that we incur as we make choices about building software. Legacy is something we refer to systems with uh, which are beyond saving perhaps or beyond our control. Perhaps they are too full of tech debt for us to consider working on them anymore or it's a shortcut for saying that it's something we don't want anymore. Either way, these are systems which we believe we want to move away from, despite the fact they may still be used and may still be making us money as a company. So I'm reading Michael Feather's excellent book, Working Effectively with Legacy Code, and it gives a lot of great tools for understanding and refactoring the code that you have to deal with in the average or not so average coding job. The book does a great job of explaining what changes mean to our codebase, how we can offset the effect of changes or balance them with comprehensive test suites plus sensible and effective and pragmatic refactoring and ways of working. What the book doesn't explore is where the tech debt and legacy come from in the first place. It touches on how we get into a situation where we need to deal with it and how to recognise it and what to do about it, but not its genesis. And this is what I would like to dig into in this episode. Additionally, I want to understand how much of this legacy and tech debt is essential to the work of the software that you have created. I've broken down the contributing factors into three groups, systemic, functional, and individual. These are the areas that force us into making legacy and tech debt decisions as we code. So what do I mean by systemic, functional, and individual? Here are a few examples for each group. Systemic factors that create tech debt are those completely outside of the engineer's control, but are within the organization's control. For example, a deadline with lots of pressure on it. Coding standards or house style, a way of doing things in the house. Costs are limited by resources, people, tools, capabilities. Poor specifications. A lack of support from management or just as an organization we don't know any better. Our understanding or experience is too small. Functional factors that create tech debt are more within the scope of architectural decisions, such as the availability of specific language features or languages, the tooling that we're using, perhaps compilers or editors or test tools that only work in a certain way and limit our ability to express ourselves fully or as we would like, a lack of specific tooling, Effective CI, tests, coverage tools, etc. Constraints in the specification. This could even extend to non functional requirements that require us to structure the code in a certain way for efficiency, or perhaps just unhelpful or wrong architecture. So, those are some functional factors. And finally, indif- individual factors are what we do when we're actually coding as individuals or even in teams or pairs. Things that can drive debt here are inexperience, um, the wrong experience perhaps, you think you know what to do, a lack of knowledge of the technology, thinking you know what to do with the tools and the techniques, personal style and preference of course, your own personal way of doing things and coding standards, an inability to understand the specification which goes along with perhaps a lack of seniority or experience. The inability to question the specification or the requirements. Approach to coding may be different for you than it is for the rest of the team that you're working with. Your mentality may be slightly different. Or your way of working when it comes to certain techniques like XP or Agile. Or something may be happening in your personal life that particular day. It could be many of these reasons or any of these reasons. The list especially for personal factors goes on. The mood we're in one day to another changes, and our approach can change with that. It is a complex domain of factors which contribute to legacy and tech debt. When we start to list them, we see there are lots of them, but we also see that they are intimately connected. For example, time pressure can cause or exacerbate many of the individual factors. You can see that legacy is a consequence of speed or pressure or inexperience or changing language or tools or features. also many other factors. It is therefore pretty much inevitable that something is going to cause legacy decisions to be made immediately. Have you ever looked back at a piece of code you wrote years ago and thought, whoa, I was pretty good back then? Or have you looked back and thought, wow, what was I thinking of? Or you think, wow, those were the days where I could do something like that. All of these expressions are of where you were and where the technology was at that particular time. Time is an important element at play. What may have been impossible for any given reason, last year, last month, last week, whatever, may now be possible through a newly released language feature or a new tool or approach, or the availability of a new system. We have to make decisions, many hundreds and thousands of them, every day, potentially. These decisions work for the moment. We are writing the code. There is never a right time to write the code, only the right now. That inevitably means that at every stage, at every keystroke, we're committing something that won't be perfect in the future. We're making a decision. So how do we know this? Well, look how carefully most compiler writers are with ensuring there is backwards compatibility in their compilers. They want the code that you're writing now to be good in the future too. They don't want to add to your burden apart from if you're the writer of the Swift compiler, of course, a few years ago, which was changing with breaking changes all the time. Usually, once code makes it into production, we don't want to see it fall out of support. And compiler writers, interpreter writers, and people who create tools which underpin us, as software engineers, have our backs. So by tackling the list of reasons for having tech debt in the first place, we can perhaps approach a situation where we are minimising the effects of these factors in our organisation. So let's have a look at the list again and see if we can provide some guardrails in order to make our code more future-proof. So looking again at the systemic factors, if there is a deadline with lots of pressure on it, then make a statement about it. Say that we prioritise quality and supportability. If there's conflicts or differences within house style when it comes to coding standards, then do you have any architectural decision records or ADRs Have you specified this already, and are they just out of date? Do you as an organization need to make some decisions about this and discuss them and communicate them with everybody who's involved in creating code? If you're limited by costs when it comes to resources, uh, people, tools, capabilities, then make a decision as a business. Do you want to be a software business? Do you want to invest in these things to make your software better? If you have poor specifications, will you invest in your process? Do you allow them to come through to development if they're not up to standard? If there is a lack of support from management, do you need to educate your management and educate yourselves to understand what it means to be a software business? If you don't know any better as an organization, do you make an effort to understand how you can serve your customers better in the future? For functional factors, if the availability of specific language features is a problem, then again, looking at ADRs, is there a way to investigate options for your code. <coughs> if there are constraints in the specification, make sure that important decisions around trade-offs between functionality and performance are fully understood by everybody involved and discussed. If a compromise is required, then flag it as such and make a plan to improve the situation Compromises are fine as long as they are time-boxed and there is a commitment to revisit them at some point. And if the architecture itself is unhelpful or unsuitable, and if you're continuously forced into making a decision which will work against the architecture, then perhaps there are too many compromises and it's better to step back and revisit the entire architecture at some point in the future. Again, have a short-term plan and a longer-term plan and understand that this will be a potentially company-wide decision which may, may take years to implement. For individual factors around experience or the wrong experience or lack of knowledge of technology, then get experienced. Use mentors, train, upskill, invest in learning about new technologies through reading, podcasts, videos, conferences. When it comes to personal style and preference, provide individual freedom for expression, but agree and enforce guardrails testing standards and automate as much as possible and integrate regularly, at least once a day. If your staff are too junior and have the inability to understand specifications or push back on specifications, then provide an environment for them to ask questions and provide them support. If the approach to coding is not what you require, then again, provide education. If you look at these factors, you'll notice some patterns about how we can address the causes of tech debt. At an organizational level, there are choices to be made. Can we acknowledge that every shortcut we take builds up tech debt? Failure to support the business of software delivery will bury tech debt for the future. Borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, the debt will be incurred immediately and will be paid back at a greater cost in the future. This is a fundamental choice. Decide what kind of business you are and back that type of business. If you are a software business, then act like one. In order to do that, prioritize quality, architecture, and people. Your reward will be a reduced cost of change and hopefully happier customers with a great product. For functional factors, Invest in the right tools and make it architecturally clear where the product is going. If there are compromises to be made, then make them, but have a plan to fix them in the longer term with a potential investment in the architecture. At the individual level, provide a framework of knowledge and skills to support your engineers, providing backing by clear architectural decision and business direction to create psychological safety. Ensuring there is clear architectural direction plus support from management in terms of tooling, training and understanding, can create an environment where it is possible to create good code that is lighter on technical debt. These approaches don't come for free, but as a trade-off, it's a business decision. Again, look at the proof around us that this works. Look at what Gene Kim says in the unicorn project around psychological safety, one of the five ideals of software development. Look at team topologies, a team-friendly humanistic approach to software development. It gives guardrails for supporting but allowing freedom of expression the humanist approach to software development is truly about limiting tech debt by getting us to enjoy the process of software creation every day hopefully i've given you something to think about as always thank you for joining me and please leave me a review on apple podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast it's always great to get feedback and as cory quinn says If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a five-star review wherever you consume your podcasts. And if you didn't enjoy this podcast, then please leave a five-star review wherever you consume your podcasts. This is a one-man production and I live for your feedback. So please get in touch with me via LinkedIn or via my website. You can also find me via ctoproblems.com. Also, a quick plug for my workshop in mid-January 2023 I'm running a session on the practicalities of dealing with legacy and tech debt from a coding perspective. It's hands-on, it's free, and you can sign up by the link I will leave in the show notes. Until next time, have fun and good luck.